Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, for the first time ever, I'll be interviewing three guests at the same time, two returning guests and a brand new guest. I'll be speaking with Anthony Molinero, Adrian Omasta, and Connor Duffy. Anthony Molinero is a normal guy from Brampton who happens to buy investment properties with his two buddies, Adrian and Connor. He works as a marketer for Rockstar Real Estate and is also a property manager and tenant placement expert. My second guest, Adrian Omasta, joint ventured with his two buddies from Brampton to buy three investment properties in three years while in his mid-20s. And my third guest, Connor Duffy, is a 27-year-old chartered insurance professional. He bought his first property, a joint venture, with Anthony and Adrian in July 2021 and bought his second joint venture in Sudbury in February of 2022. In my interview with Anthony, Adrian, and Connor, we discuss selecting the perfect partner for a joint venture in real estate, tenant screening done right, and buying a rental property as your first property. Without further ado, here's my interview with Anthony Molinero, Adrian Omasta, and Connor Duffy. Well, I'm excited to be back for another episode of the Bird Your Borgage show, and this is a first I actually have, for the first time ever, three guests on my podcast. That's right. I've had two guests in the past, but for the first time ever, I have three guests. And I have another first on this podcast as well. I have the first time, three-time guest on the podcast, Anthony Moladero. He appeared on one of the first episodes of the Bird Your Mortgage podcast, and then he appeared again three years ago. So it's been exciting to follow him on his real estate journey from the Toronto Star article to owning his first rental property. So yeah, I wanted to start by welcoming Anthony to the podcast. And it's great to be here with you. Maybe you can let the listener know what you've been up to in the last three years and just tell a bit about yourself in case the listeners didn't listen to the first or, or second podcast there. But yeah, as mentioned, the first podcast, you had been featured in the Toronto Star. You didn't own any properties at that point in time. And then the last podcast, your friend, Adrian, you had bought your first property as rent own. And now you are at three properties. So maybe you can fill in the missing pieces and let us know how you managed to get up to property three. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate you having me on three times. It's an honor to come on here. And now with my two buddies, Adrian and Connor, to bring them on too. It's really cool because these guys have been huge and instrumental part of my journey. And I definitely wouldn't have three properties without either of these guys. So yeah, the Toronto Star article came out when I was 20. It was about how I was working full-time in a warehouse at Pepsi and also paying my way through university, which I was going through full-time. And I was just working a lot. And the question that I had raised to the Toronto Star was how can I get ahead in life, essentially? And I got some kind of generic advice about investing in mutual funds and index funds. And then a woman reached out and gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read the book, called the woman, and she turned out to be this amazing woman who was a full-time real estate investor living off of her property's income. And she really taught me and introduced me to the world of real estate investing. 
And after that, I was lucky enough to get a job with Rockstar Real Estate. We're probably the largest active group of real estate investors in all of Canada in terms of a network of investors. We have a group there called the Rockstar Inner Circle. And we're also a real estate brokerage. So we help educate investors on how to buy investment real estate, all the different strategies around that, and actually go out on the streets and help people purchase properties as a brokerage. And so that's how it kind of got started. And now I'm in this world full time working at Rockstar. The first property that me and Adrian purchased, we were 24 years old. We bought it. It was a rent to own in St. Catharines. And after that property, we then went on and purchased a second property, which was a joint venture between three of us and someone else, actually. We took a big private loan from someone, which we used to help purchase the property. And then uh, that property was purchased with Adrian again, but also Connor was interested in what me and Adrian were up to and wanted to jump into real estate too. So he joined us on that venture. He's then gone on to purchase another property with another friend of his up in Sudbury, which I'm sure I'll tell you about. Adrian and I just this past year, 2022, refinanced that rent-to-own and went ahead and bought seven-bedroom student rental in Brock. And yeah, so that's just a quick catch-up of everything that I've been up to. And Adrian's been a part of every step of that journey with me and Connor recently with that second purchase. So Great. Thanks for bringing us up to speed. And sounds like you've been doing a lot of exciting things there, Anthony. And yeah, as we were vegetating before I hit the record button here, it just goes to show you that like you read the newspaper articles and the headlines that just says there's a housing crisis. It is possible to get into the housing market, but you three are living proof as three young guys that it's still, or gals could do it as well, that it's still possible to get into the real estate market. You just have to be a bit more creative. So yeah, thanks for sharing what you've been up, all the cool things that you've been up to, Anthony. So Adrian, why don't you just introduce yourself again to the listeners? And yes, maybe you could talk a bit about what you've been up to as well on a real estate and, and personal front as well. Yeah, sure. So my name's Adrian. I've been buying properties with Anthony. I bought the three with him. So I'm still working at Pepsi currently and just continuing to just save up for more real estate and stuff like that. But yeah, I feel real estate is just like being joint venture. Something is always better than nothing. So I just feel like being a joint venture, it's just the only way possible for me to get into the market, especially at the purchase prices we were getting into at. So yeah, like Anthony, it was just a great joint venture partner and definitely opened a lot of doors for me for real estate. No, that's great. And and just speaking to that point there, you said something interesting, Adrian. Maybe and you could all speak to this point later on, but maybe you could talk a bit about how you could have a successful joint venture with somebody. I'm sure you all bring separate skill sets to the table. Maybe you could, I mean, it's okay to your own horn or whatever they say, but maybe you could mention that how you balance each other out from a skill set standpoint and, and what your good skill set is. What would you say is your good skill set that you bring to the table, Adrian? That's a good question, actually. I can just jump in here. I would say that Adrian just does a really good job of managing our accounts for our home in St. Catharines. He's really on top of just uh, all the finances. And it really comes in handy to, to have Adrian there to keep track of you know what's owed, what's next. And yeah, so he's super good at that, I guess, like looking at the books. Thanks for jumping in there, Cotter. And yeah, might as well introduce, I might as well introduce you now. So you're the third person as part of you bought that property together with Adrian and Anthony, and you also own a second property that you were telling me in Sudbury as, as well. 
that's your second property and was another joint venture. So maybe you could just share your interesting story of, of how you met Anthony and Adrian and became friends and ended up investing in real estate together. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on the podcast, by the way. But yeah, I've, I've known Anthony since I was, I think, nine years old. We went to the same elementary school. So I've been friends with Anthony for my entire life. So Anthony was always had an entrepreneurial mindset, always wanted to, I guess, take a step away from the nine to five traditional approach and look into investing, you know, things like that. So yeah, when Anthony and Adrian bought their first property together, he was sharing it on his social media and I found out and I thought, wow, this is awesome. I can't believe that two guys my age did this. It seems so far gone to me that someone that my age at the time, I think Anthony and Adrian, you guys were 24 when you bought that house in St. Catharines, your first one, that someone that young could buy a home. And so I was super drawn in, super interested. I was following along with Anthony's articles in the newspaper, podcast that he was on. Yeah. And then I guess what happened was Anthony kind of expressed that he was looking for another partner for another home. And then, you know, asked if I could join and he took me up on that. Got pretty qualified with Butler, with his mortgage broker. Yeah. And then we got our, our first home as a trio in St. Catharines. And then because of knowing Anthony and being so connected to Rockstar and having such a great network of you know connections, I was able to then segue into discovering about Sudbury Real Estate. And yeah, it was a friend of Anthony's that he knew that introduced me to Sudbury Real Estate and you know shared uh, how it was uh, you know more of an affordable area in Ontario to invest in, but not too far away where it would be considered to be too far removed from the GTA. It is a bit far, but it's still a big city, largest city by land in Ontario. And yeah, so, and I guess that's what happened. I grabbed another partner and we looked at Sudbury, went up a few times, did some showings, and we jumped right into the market. And yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. Well, that's a re remarkable story. And again, it shows that it's still possible to get into the real estate market. You just have to be a bit more creative. So yeah, like since we're mentioning location here and anyone, we can really jump in, but maybe you can just talk a bit about some affordable and good areas in your opinion. I mean, everybody has entitled to their own opinions, but for somebody looking to buy a property, like the GTA is out of reach for most people. A home is like a million dollars in many parts of it there. But as you mentioned, like Sudbury sounds like a good entry point. I've, being a mortgage professional, helped people buy in Peterborough before and Niagara and, and St. Catherine seems to be popular. But, but yeah, maybe you can just mention some other places that in Ontario here that seem like good areas to look in if you're looking to buy real estate where you're not going to have to drop seven figures to buy a property? Well, honestly, it just kind of depends what stage of your journey you're in and, and where you live and how much time you can dedicate to managing your properties and how far you're willing to drive. Like it's very nuanced. Like I don't want to give just one or two or three locations because like any location, even in Toronto and the GTA can make sense for the right person at the right stage of their journey. I mean, I can speak about why we made each decision that we did at the time when we bought our first place, we chose St. Catharines because we were only qualified up to, I think about 450,000 purchase price. Back in 2019, we both had kind of entry level jobs, really weren't making that much and didn't have a huge down payment. We just put 5% down on our first house we, that we scraped together. And so St. Catharines was the closest place to, we lived in Brampton at the time and it was the closest place to us that we could afford a 
a nice home in a nice area. The closer to us, the better. We originally were looking at Hamilton, but didn't like the quality of homes that we could get in Hamilton based on what we were pre-approved for. So that's really what pushed us out to St. Catharines. I mean, it wasn't our first choice. I mean, St. Catharines has been great to us. It's been a great place to own real estate as of much of Southern Ontario, really. So it just kind of made sense for us. And then the second property, we were in the same boat. We were open to investing anywhere that we could afford based on our purchase price. And it just happened that an opportunity came up in St. Catharines, actually with the joint venture partner that loaned us the money. We ended up buying one of her investment properties that she was offloading. So we had a good opportunity there to buy the house kind of at a market discount as well, actually. And same thing with the third house. We bought it off market just through connections that I have through Rockstar. It was an off market deal. And it just happened again to be in St. Catharines. But by this time, you know, we really liked having all the properties in one area just for management because that's quite a drive from Brampton to St. Catharines, like an hour, hour and a half. And so if we're going to go down there, it's easier to just manage all three of our places at once. And that's what kind of just has kept drawing us back there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going for it. There's Brock University, Niagara College, employments. Go train lines running there now more frequently. It's really become like a commuter city to the GTA. It's close to the entrance to the USA. So there is some fundamental stuff there, but in reality, it was just the closest place that we could afford. That's why I mean when it's like all nuance based on what stage you're at, how much money you have, all these personal factors. Sure, no problem. And I guess, Adrian, if you had anything else to add, but you own properties in the same place as Anthony. so. You might not have anything else to add, but definitely, Connor, if you want to talk about Sudbury and why you chose that and any other areas that you're interested in as well. But I mean, Adrian, feel free to jump in if you have anything else to add. Okay. I was just going to say, I completely agree with Anthony. I think that it definitely depends on your investment journey in life. You definitely you know, have to look at things like your budget, what you can qualify for, your risk tolerance, and you know, what it is that you want to do and what your goals are with your properties. You know, some listeners might be looking to buy a principal versus some listeners might want to buy, might want to start their portfolio or expand it. So it really depends on the user or on the investor. But I guess the reason why Subbury was of an interest was because it had the same sort of rental characteristics as, you know, other popular rental cities. The vacancy rates were really low in Subbury. There was, you know, a lot of jobs. There was such a demand for rent in the area. I remember when I and to buy in the areas. So I remember one time I was before I had bought the property, I had called a contractor and I was asking about what are some of the bylaw requirements that a home in Sudbury has to have in order to be converted to a multi-unit property like a duplex. If I wanted to convert the basement or finish the basement or something and convert it into a duplex or a multi-unit, what would I have to do? And so I called a couple of contractors. They kind of gave me some answers. They told me like, you know, the zoning bylaw numbers and everything and what the height is and everything. And then I remember saying at the end of the phone call, you know, thank you so much for your help. I'm going to add you as a contact in my phone you know, just to, you know, create like a bit of a network here. And the guy said, oh, don't worry. You're probably the fifth investor that's called this week asking about this. So he's like, oh, wow. don't worry about it. Yeah. So I thought, okay, this is the real deal. There is a huge demand for to buy homes in Sudbury. And I remember when me and my partner, his name is Christian. Him and I went up to Sudbury to do a couple showings. We went to these homes, the Donovan, which is the downtown area in Sudbury and other areas. And we were looking at these homes and it kind of feels like it is kind of removed from the GTA, but it's still like a pretty big city. It's still pretty populated. And 
we were putting offers on these homes and we were getting, you know, outbid by like six, seven, eight more offers, probably about 15 offers on each home at the time. Wow. That was in February of 2022 though, in January and February of 2022. So that's when the real estate market was still really hot. And when a lot of people were still buying homes more frequently, I guess. So I guess my answer is, is that it really just depends on your appetite. It really depends on your risk tolerance, your budget. And I think that it's important to do your research on the cities that you're investing in. I think that a lot of first-time home buyers were going to Sudbury because of the price point. But some people might not want to spend their portfolio to Sudbury because of the rent being lower. What's really popular in Sudbury now, and connections that Anthony's introduced me to, is that they only believe in multi-unit rentals in Sudbury. And they kind of stay away from single-family units because of the lower rents. But yeah. I guess that's, that'd be my answer. No, thank you for the detailed answer. And in summary, it sounds like there's plenty of opportunities out there, depending on where you are at life and what you're looking for in your budget. So yeah, that's positive message is not necessarily the news headline saying it's impossible to buy a property. You three are living proof that it's certainly still possible. So Adrian, I want to give you a chance to speak equally as well. So a question that we haven't maybe we've touched on this a bit, but we haven't actually addressed it in the podcast is why buy a rental property first? Many people think when they buy a property that buy primary residence first, but maybe you can talk a bit about a personal standpoint as well as like a financing standpoint as well. Why did you decide to buy rental properties first before you had a primary residence for yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. So I guess the reason why I did it was mostly because I believe it when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, he did say that having your own personal house is actually a liability because you are the one who are pay- who's paying the mortgage, the tax, the insurance. Whereas when you have an investment, it's the tenants who are paying all that. So I just looked at it as kind of like an investment more. So we were getting cash flow on top of our expenses. Yeah, I think at the time me and Adrian, we were both still living at home and we couldn't buy a house on our own because of what we qualified for. So we were both into this stuff and we just spoke and said, why don't we do this together? We can actually purchase a nice home in a nice area if we buy together that's within a decent driving distance to Brampton, which was St. Catherine. So I think that's really went into our decision and it was like, okay, it's better to own 50% of something than 0% of nothing because we couldn't buy anything unless we really drove far out or maybe went to Sudbury. But at the time, especially buying our first investment property, we didn't have the connections, the knowledge, the network, or the confidence really to invest as far away as a place as Sudbury. And so that's why we kind of decided to go in on that together and stay living at home to, you know, we were fortunate enough that our parents allowed us to live at home for as long as they did and save up money and get these properties. So we kind of took advantage of that brief window of time that we knew we'd have in our early and mid twenties before we would want to leave the house or our parents want us to leave. We took advantage of that. No, that's very well said, Anthony. And yes, like my sister is finding herself in a similar situation. Many people are surprised to learn that they qualify to spend, if they can come up with that 20% down payment on the rental property, they can qualify to spend quite a bit more on a rental property versus a primary residence. And I mean, we're talking about maybe $50,000, $100,000 in some cases there. And the main reason is because 
you're able to include the hypothetical rent that you would receive to help offset the liabilities of the property, the mortgage, taxes, maintenance fees, if it's a condo. And it can actually be a bit of a wash. Like if you can get good rents on the property, it might not even affect your borrowing capacity at all. It might actually help your borrowing capacity. So certainly if you have gone out to be pre-approved for a primary residence and you're not happy with what the numbers look like, then yeah, definitely consider buying a rental property. And the 20% down payment can be a bit of barred entry. But as my guests here have spoken about, like if you can't come up with the 20% on your own, you can go in together with one or two other people to come up with that amount there. And then you can do like the first strategy, which it sounds like you've done where you basically refinance properties pull out money and then use that towards the down payment of your next property and then rinse and repeat and do it over again. So it's just about getting your foot in the door and getting that first property. And then you can just keep doing that over and over again and refinancing and buying more properties there. So yes, thanks for sharing that there, Anthony. And we have about three or so minutes left here. So I just wanted to make sure, Anthony, you're actually teaching a tenant screening course at Rockstar. So maybe you can just tell us about what you've learned in the last three years and just some basic tips and advice on tenant screening because that's such an important topic because as I mentioned in my book, it's a lot easier to screen out a bad tenant than it is to evict them out of, of your property. Now, the stories of bad tenants are far and few between. Most tenants are good people, but yeah, it just takes one tenant to kind of ruin the experience for you. So maybe you can just talk a bit about what you teach people in the course and some top lessons you want to pass along. Yeah. So I would say it's, you can solve 90% of your problems upfront by buying, you know, with real estate investing, by buying the right house in the right area, that's going to attract the right tenant in the first place is really the location that you buy your property in and the type of property that's going to determine the type of tenant attracted to living in that area, living in that property. So that's the main one right there is, is on the purchase. You know, if you purchase a rundown property in a rundown area, you're likely going to get the type of tenant who wants to live in that area, which won't, was likely going to be a tenant who's going to be going to give you more problems. So if you buy a nice home in a nice area, you'll attract a nice tenant. And then once you do go to market and find tenants, you know, it's really important to get as, as much exposure as you can. So I found that Facebook Marketplace is the number one place where you can post rental listings to get the most exposure. I'll then pre-screen tenants who reach out from those ads on Facebook and a couple other places where I post. I'll pre-screen them using an online forum that kind of filters them through 15 different questions that I've set up, such as how much income they make, what their credit scores are like, how many people want to move in, do they have pets? And if they meet all my preset criteria, which is usually like a minimum of 650 average credit scores between all the adults, 2.75 times the rent as a minimum income level. So the tenant's gross income before taxes must be minimum 2.75, or you can even bump it up a bit higher to three times the amount of rent. So if rent's 2,500, I'm looking for a minimum gross income score of like 7,500. And, you know, based on all the other stuff, if it's the right amount of occupants, the right living situation that I'm looking for, for those tenants, for that type of unit, then I'll invite them to a showing. From the showing, I kind of get a good gut feel for the person. I feel them out, see how they are, how they present themselves, you know, just really get a good gut feeling and if they're going to be a good fit or if I think they could cause problems or stress down the road. 
And based on that, if it all checks out, I'll then have them you know, fill out a rental application with more details. And then I'll put them through a screening process, which usually involves a program I use called Single Key. And really, it's just a credit check program that I like. It's, it's my favorite one that I've used in Canada. It's called Single Key, a tenant and background report. I think it also pulls a criminal background check report through that as well. So that's how I pull credit on everyone. I never take someone else's credit report or trust that because you can actually pay for fake credit reports. So I always run my own credit. And then I verify income. I verify employers. I also use a program called Verifast, which is great for, it actually does a bank check on tenants where it'll pull tenants' bank account information later in this really nice report. And you can actually verify you know, how much income they're making on a monthly basis how much savings they have in their bank account. And it really shows the financial health of someone. So between single key, very fast, meeting them in person, and you know, checking social media and that their story all lines up, that's how you can really screen out and find good tenants. Great. And yes, checking social media, a lot of people wouldn't even think of checking social media. So that's a great tip. Yeah, if they're partying all the time, then maybe you don't want that in your property there. But if they seem like responsible people, then they might be a good fit and and yeah maybe you can just quickly say like how does gut feel go into it as as well i mean you want to meet them in person and have a good feel for them but it sounds like you do the background information as well just to back up the story to make sure that they're indeed like responsible people if they seem that way in person yeah totally it all plays a part in the overall picture and uh really gut feel i think just comes down to like meeting people in regular day life like do you feel like they're lying to you do you feel you can trust them do they come off as sketchy? Do they come off as, you know, how do they present themselves? What's their hygiene like? Because how they treat themselves is a reflection of how they treat the things in their life, such as, you know, the car or the house they're going to be living in. It's really just picking up on all these small cues, but it's hard to label it as one thing. You know, how well are their kids behave? Do they show up on time for the viewing? Yes, exactly. Do they show up on time? You know, what does their car look like? Like a beat up? hunk of junk that's like cooling oil on the driveway when I, is it like a car that's well kept care it doesn't have to be some fancy car but is it taken care of how do they text you how do they communicate with you yes the punctuality how they kind of treat your house you know are their kids running around slamming the glass windows or are they well behaved it's all a reflection of really the parent so i think all those things combine Great. Do you have any more time or did you want to wrap up now? I just thought to ask you about the property management stuff you've been doing, but if you have to get going, we can end it here. Sure. I'll just quickly mention it and then we can wrap. So I've been okay, managing this in Barry for some investors who built up a portfolio and then took off this past year to go build a ranch in Mexico. They didn't like all the COVID lockdowns and kind of restrictions of freedoms that we had here. And so they decided they want to start a new life in Mexico but they left behind their rental portfolio here and they asked me to manage it. So I've been fortunate enough to become a property manager as well, just on the side of my day job in the past year or so, just managing their portfolio of about eight properties in Barrie. And how have you found, is there any like tips or advice that you can share being a property manager and that would be helpful for the listener that's if they're going to hire a property manager or do that themselves? Yeah, I think it's always best to start off managing your properties yourself because you really learn the ins and outs of the business and all the different aspects of managing. And then when you do go to hire a manager or outsource that part of your business later on, then you can much easier you know, know if someone's doing a good job, know if they're charging too much because you know the ins and outs of it. And then you can just offload and outsource it. But if you don't know 
the business well, what it takes to manage all the things involved. You know, you could hire someone and really not know if they're doing a good job or overpaying. So that's my suggestion on that. And then in terms of being a property manager, I think it's really optimal if you can find good landlords who are willing to invest in their homes and in keeping good relationships with their tenants because it makes your job as a manager much easier. And so fortunately, the, the landlords I've been working with have been great. No, that's very well said. And that's a great analogy that you mentioned there because yeah, similar to starting your own business, the good idea to actually work in the industry that you're interested in starting the business at. Many people have, if they want to start like a financial services company, they work at the bank first just to understand how the industry works. Like just going and starting your own business can be rather challenging there. So the same idea, like, yeah, if you want to try that stuff out yourself, just managing a property and then you know like the right things to look for in hiring a property manager and hiring contractors later on so that you know that you're getting good honest service so yeah that brings us to the end of the podcast so i'd just like to thank all three of you for being on the podcast and being my first three-person podcast here so yes it was great to chat with all of you and i'm sure you will be on the podcast again in the future here and i'm excited to find out what you're up to and Probably next time when I interview, you're going to be on properties five or six, I would imagine. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Thanks for the opportunity. I know Adrian and Connor are really grateful too, and hope that this keeps rolling and that we can keep buying properties. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at sean, that's S-E-A-N, at burnyourmortgage.ca, or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.